way to take the victory is to be able to take three. Master Sun. Welcome, guys. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Be The Leader Podcast. This is a leadership and per personal performance podcast. My name is Jeremiah Sullivan. I'm your host. It's my mission to bring more good in this world, and I've chosen to do that by building leaders and helping others achieve their best by helping you. There's a huge problem in this world, and that's low-performing people and poor leadership. This is my way of fixing that. This podcast is for the person who needs to become a stronger leader for their career, the new entrepreneur, business owner with people problems. It's for the experienced business owner with challenges. It's for anyone who wants to be better, but most importantly, it's for people that want to win. The goal of this podcast is to give you a strong foundation in leadership and personal performance. And guys, I don't do ads. I'm not going to do ads. So all I ask is that you find value in this. You leave uh, a review on iTunes and bring a friend. One friend. That's all I ask. For those that don't know me, my name is Jeremiah. Um, you guys can go back and listen to the previous episodes if you want to hear my story. But the bottom line is that I am a leadership and performance coach with a military background. Um, I'm an Army Ranger and infantry officer. I had the privilege of learning from some great leaders in my military career and throughout my life. And this is my way of paying that privilege back. So today, I'm joined by the next Tim Ferriss, as I like to say, and potential co-host of Be the Be, Le the, Be the Leader podcast. Uh, some, some refer to him as Mr. Consistency because he did 365 consecutive podcast episodes without fail. His name is Justin Phillips, and I invited Justin on because he has a inquisitive mind and he wanted to ask me questions about leadership and performance. So Justin, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I love that you refer to me as the next Tim Ferriss because Tim Ferriss is probably my least favorite person in the space. <laughs> but um, no, it's really cool, man. I like the little, the little intro and being recognized a little bit for that fucking year of podcasting that I did because that was hard work. Yeah, that was... Well, that was work. <laughs> no, I, I'm actually curious. We'll get into guys today. We have a really powerful episode, so stay tuned. And we're, we're going to talk about leadership today. Justin's going to pull the thread on several things. Um, but before we get into that, I do want to know a little bit about that, that pain. So tell me a little bit about the 365 days of podcasting real quick. The pain. Okay. So real, like how much of the story do you want? Because uh, that, there's a long version, short, there's short a short version. version. A couple, couple minutes. Okay. Like, what was the hardest thing about it and what can people learn from it? So I'll start real briefly by going over why I did it in the first place. Uh, basically, this challenge was put in front of me to social media is important now all of a sudden, right? Like everybody out there is talking about how if you have a business, you have to be online, all this type of stuff. So this challenge was basically put in front of me to put content out for 365 days in a row that could have been blogging that could have been live streaming that could have been podcasting i chose podcasting and i did it for all those days um the hardest thing about it honest to god i tell people this all the time the hardest thing about it was trying to come up with a fucking topic every single day for 365 days and not repeat it and trust me i repeated a bunch of them that i thought really needed to be gone over multiple yeah. times but uh that was probably the hardest part of it Honestly, it wasn't anything technical. It wasn't any like uh, 
discipline or consistency type of thing, you know, like it wasn't that hard for me to actually make myself do it all the time. I did, I did definitely have days where like I got home from work and I'm like, I want to sleep. And then my eyes, like I'm about to like drift off and my eyes like shoot open, like in a cartoon. I'm like, fuck, I got to do a podcast. But uh, at the end of the day, I always was able to do it. The hardest part was how the fuck do I, what, what do I you talk know, I mean, about? There's a lot of lessons <laughs> there for everybody. I think it, from a leader standpoint, one of the biggest things is um, repetition gets hard. And as, as a leader, you know, your, one of your jobs is to constantly communicate the dream to people. And you have to always act like there's a new person in the audience that hasn't heard your message before. And that, it can get, you know, it can yeah. be annoying, right? Like to yourself, you're just like, man, I'm so fucking tired of hearing mm-hmm. myself talk about this. But, but, right. but you know, um, repetition is the mother of all learning. So that's an invaluable lesson that everybody can take away. So um, that's, dude, I commend you for that. And that's, I wouldn't bring anybody on this, uh, this podcast, but you know, you're, you're battle proven as I would call it, right? You're, you are a consistent (laughs) mofo. So let's jump in today. And, uh, what do you got for me? All right. So I guess ultimately what the overall theme of this episode is supposed to be is like the importance of leadership, which, um, by the way, I guess just full disclosure here real quick, cause you didn't mention this in the intro and I thought you would, but I've been working with you on this podcast from the beginning. So I, I'm caught up. I've listened to every episode about seven or eight times as part of my <laughs> job. But, uh, so, but yeah, so I want to talk about the actual importance of leadership and kind of getting down into why all y'all audience members are actually listening to us in the first place. Like, why are you here? So the first and biggest question I have is just why should anyone be listening to this podcast or in other words, why should people be learning about leadership? Like, why is this important for people to learn? So the first thing is that I didn't used to think this way. I used to think that leadership was just kind of a buzzword that people tossed around to poke their chest out, to kind of brag about themselves, to convey. Yeah, exactly. Like today's entrepreneurship, right? (laughs) People say that they put it in their Instagram bio to be cool. And I thought that people used to do that. Um, before, but nobody really ever sat me down and said, Hey, leadership is everything. And I I learned through experience that it really is. So I think that people need to learn it because we we have a problem in our, in, in our country and every place that you look across uh, the work workplace, right? When, like, when's the last time you heard a kid say, I want to be president when I grow up? I mean, like every kid probably says that at one point or another, you know, but do you hear it today? No. Yeah, especially especially not with the current well, you know, yeah, presidential situation. But my point is like <laughs> the president is like the you know the epitome of what a leader should be, right? He's supposed to be. He's supposed right. to be our country's leader, right? And we don't live in a culture today where people and kids say, Hey, I want to be a president. Right. What well, do you think that they do you think that they say they want to be, but there there's that there's that kind of crushing mentality of nobody really thinks it's realistic anymore. Like, I think it's in and out of their heads real quick. Oh, I think that it's not appealing. It's not appealing to lead. And mm-hmm. and that's caused a problem, okay? Because, like I said, it everything rises and falls on leadership. John Maxwell said that. And I, I've learned this from experience. Like, if anybody's had a shitty boss, they know it firsthand. That's that's a leader, right? That, that made their world, world hell. And so, you know, that's the first thing, is I think that there's a huge problem in, in the country with 
a lack of leadership, people wanting to be leaders and we need it. So that's the first thing, you know, if you look at like our founding fathers, they were leaders, right? You know, it took leadership to break yes. away from England. And I, I would argue that they are entrepreneurs too. So, you know, they were kind of like the epitome of what this podcast is about, right? Like guys that want to do something a little bit different, get a result and be at the front and take some risk. And, and so, you know, I think that it's what our country is founded on. There's a problem with it because we have a lack of quality leadership across the country because nobody wants to be it. Everybody wants to take a passenger seat. And everybody should be interested in leadership because increasing your leadership is a is a 100% certainty way, a certain way to increase your own independent success. Like your your financial success is directly proportional to the number of people you help, right? So if you look at like Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, fuck man, look at Tom Brady, right? Like these people are putting people in and giving them jobs and they're rewarded for it, right? At a very high level. So yeah. that's the the power of it. And you know, the last thing is why people should be interested in leadership is because it comes down to the the Dunning-Kruger effect. Have you ever heard of this? Not except for the one time you mentioned it to me in conversation. <laughs> okay. We're fired up right now. So I don't so, so good Dunning Kruger effect it you ever it, so the, this idea is that people are um, less intelligent than they think they are they have this misconception about their their personal intelligence okay so people believe in general that they're better than they actually are and and it's funny because okay. this was studied at um, Cornell University so in like 1995 it's actually a funny story this dude named MacArthur, uh, MacArthur Wheeler, I believe was his name. He was five foot six, uh, 270 pounds, I believe. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> I was going to say me, and yeah. then I was like, not yeah, me. Five foot six. I, I weigh far less than that. <laughs> Listen, hold on. Five foot six, 260 pounds. And this dude went and robbed a bank. And when he, and when he robbed the <laughs> bank, he just walked right in. And he went home and the cops ended up showing up at his house and they arrested him. And when they arrested him, he was shocked because what he had done, he put lemon juice on his face to conceal against the cameras because um, lemon juice is used to make invisible ink. And so, yeah, yeah. So this what? guy's logic was that if he put lemon juice on his face, he could walk right in undetected. Yes. <laughs> Yes. So awesome. And so he walks in the, in the bank, robs the bank, goes home, but the surveillance cameras clearly see him. And he's like appalled that they found him afterwards. The cops did. So uh, I'll finish the story. Then you guys have questions. So there was this, um, this professor at Cornell university when this happened and he, and he had a student and he had his student look into it. And what he realized was that there's this gap that people have about their current intelligence and their actual intelligence. And so this guy wasn't a crazy, he wasn't crazy. He wasn't like, um, on drugs or anything like that. He was just a fool. Yeah. So, yeah. That's so, so what I'm saying is that tying this into why people need to know about leadership. People need to know mm -hmm. about leadership because they think that they're better than they actually are. Okay. Does that go for everything, even outside of leadership? Like, do people do people need to be a little bit more 
humble about what they know about any given area and always be willing to learn. Yeah. Would yeah, you I say? Think so. I think what you find is you have people that you have two sides of the spectrum, right? You have people that are not as good as they think they are. And they, they, they come up with all yeah. these excuses about why they're failing. And then you have the opposite side, which are typically your overachievers who believe they're not as good as everyone thinks they are. So they're constantly trying to prove it. Right. Yeah. They're kind of always chasing this moving. Yeah, they feel like, you know, imposter syndrome is associated with those type of people, right? They're like, I don't feel good enough to be where I'm at. So they keep trying to do better and better and better. And with the, with the Dunning-Kruger thing, is that that gap between like how smart you think you are versus how smart you are, that does that always exist? Like, is there a way to bridge that? Or do you just, as you, as you learn, do you perceive yourself as smarter? Like, does it, do you get what I'm asking you? Because I'm having a really, I'm fumbling over my words here. But does your perception go up at the same rate as your actual intelligence so that that gap stays there? Well, so if you if you're are you familiar with the stages of learning? No, I guess not. Okay, so there's there's four stages of learning, and this is good for everybody listening um, because you should recognize which stage of this you're at and in whatever you're trying to become an expert in. The first stage is unconscious incompetence, right? It means that you don't know that you suck. Okay, okay. that's what that means, right? Then the next stage is conscious incompetence, which means you're aware that you're incompetent, like that you're, you're aware that you suck. Okay. And when you realize that you're bad at something, then you can go to work to fix it. That's stage two. Stage three is conscious competence. It means that you've started to study this thing. You've started to get some, um, skills and develop a, a proficiency with it, but it takes a lot of focus and awareness. Okay. So if you think about, um, if you think about shooting a gun, all right. Yeah. Somebody that's never been introduced to a gun lives in unconscious incompetence, right? They don't know that it exists. And so therefore they, they, uh, they remain ignorant, right? Go ahead. You're going to say something. So, so it's just like, it's just kind of the more formal way of saying you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what unconscious incompetence, incompetence is. is. Yeah. But then I hand you a gun and I teach you, I say, Hey, look, this is, um, this is what shooting a gun looks like. And you go and try it and you say, oh man, I really suck at this, right? Yeah. That's the and then you know what you don't know. Yeah, that's the that's second the, stage. Okay. And then the third stage is you get some reps at it. It takes a lot of focus. You have to think about all the stuff you were taught. You go out to shoot and then you have what's called conscious competence. It means you're focused on the fundamentals and you have a competence with that skill set. But it takes a lot of focus, yeah. right? And then the next stage okay. of, of learning is unconscious competence which means that right. you could get behind a gun, lay down, and everything just flows. You don't have to even think about it. it right, really, that's like autopilot stage. Exactly. Gotcha. Exactly. So most people, in terms of leadership, think that they're in the fourth stage. They think that they're in unconscious competence, that they're good, but they're not. They're actually in the first stage of leadership. So does that... Does that add to the problem that people think that they're in that fourth stage and that they can just go kind of on autopilot and be a good leader? Does that add to the problem because they're not making an effort to improve as a leader? Yeah, it absolutely does. And what it does is 
it, it, so what happens with a lot of these guys, the guys that are on that, there's t again, two ends of the spectrum here. You, I've also worked with people, you know, that are on the other side where they are in the conscious incompetent, they're stuck in conscious incompetence, thinking that they just suck at being a leader period. And they just want to help out of that. Right. But the person that's stuck in the, in, in unconscious incompetence and thinks he's good. He's typically a guy who is a high achiever. Okay. He's the guy that's overconfident in everything he's done. Cause he's done well for himself and he has a team or a company that he's, he quotes himself as leading, but there's actually a lot of issues going on in the company, which he ignores because he's, he's has a bias that he's doing well. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And I think it happens a lot. <laughs> so yeah. So the answer for that is to recognize, like to always to have a student mindset. And I do, I'm guilty. I, I'm speaking pretty harsh right now, but I'm, it's because I'm, I'm talking to my old self. Right. Right. You know, like I used to be that guy that thought that he understood leadership, but I wasn't, I wasn't at all. Did you, is, is that what it was in the beginning? Because I think you told me before that you weren't always like this leadership uh, connoisseur, so to speak, right? Like this wasn't your thing. Were you, were you stuck in that kind of thinking you were good at it phase or were you just not interested in leadership? Were you just like, eh, leadership? I wasn't focused on it. So when I was, when I was a young team leader, my whole goal was doing well for myself. And then when I got some guys with me, it became, how do I get these guys to do what I want? Right. I was just managing right. them. I wasn't like right. leading them. Right. And you know, looking back on it, there were some things I did wrong. I had a couple of them that I did things right. I still have some of those soldiers that reach out to me today and say, Hey, thank you for everything you did. But I also, I know there's a couple of them on the other end of things where they're like, dude, you were, you were a nutcase, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Does that, does that ever go away as you become a better leader? Do you still have the people that are going to not, I don't even want to say not cooperate, but it's like everybody you see any organization, you know, nobody really likes the management. You always have your, your people that just, you don't get along with. Is there any, is there a point of leadership where you're not kind of the big boss man? What do you mean? So I'm just trying to think of, I'm just trying to think of basically, I, I even think of leadership quote unquote at my own job. And it's like, I really like some of them. I really feel like some of them, are, they're definitely, first of all, all doing their job as leaders differently and definitely some better than others. But, you know, it's like each one of them has their haters, for lack of a better term. And certain people nowadays, another problem I see, too, is that people hate their managers or their leaders or their whatever authority figures just for the sake of of them being managers or leaders yeah. or other authority figures. So do you think there's too much of a, kind of almost a paradox in between a leader and subordinate relationship where the leader is either good or bad? It doesn't really matter, but the subordinate or the follower in this case just is so closed-minded about the fact that they're not in some sort of position to have power that they just they just kind of shut down. Yeah. Or some guys are just extremely negative. You, you can't, you can't really, you can. So people say you can't build character. I, you can actually, um, it's, it's, it's really hard to do and you have to break somebody down, make them do some stuff that they haven't ever done before, but there's a way to do it. That's, that's ethical and healthy and all this stuff. But 
building somebody's characters is tough, but teaching them skills is a little bit easier. So there's always that where you have a subordinate that won't see eye to eye with the leader. And there's two, two things going on here. You know, it's leadership, not likership, right? Like they don't have to like you. Like not everybody has to like you as a leader. That's the first thing. But you know, the other side of it is that there's a term called toxic leadership, right? We've all heard that before. Like, oh, the leaders above me are toxic. But there's also a term called toxic subordinates. Okay, yeah, that I like that point that you bring that up because I, I mean, I've just been thinking that a lot lately, reading about leadership and listening to your show and stuff. It's like how much of leadership actually lies within the subordinate level, basically, or how much of the effectiveness of leadership, I guess I should say. Yeah, I mean, like I said there's some of that you can't change. So the guys that are listening to this, if you got have like, you know, team members under you that are cancerous, that's considered a toxic subordinate. But the answer to fix that shouldn't be immediately to cut that person out of your, your culture and your formation. Right. You know, I, I served in the 70th Ranger Regiment and we rarely had a guy that was like, fuck it. I don't want to be here. Like, I don't, I can't think of any, anybody that said that, right. There was a couple of officers that didn't get handed, the mission that they wanted that they end up changing career paths and they went like green berets instead of Rangers, they decided to switch over. But generally everybody that was in regiment was there for a long, long time. And you know, it was, it was because they, they built this culture of training people and building the bottom leaders and bringing them up, you know? Right. Do you believe in that? Do you think that's a good way to operate as a, uh, not quite a bottom up, but like starting everybody at a low level, say in a company, starting everybody at the earliest, lowest paying job and letting themselves work their way up through the organization. Yeah. I think it's one of the best ways to improve retention, but I also think that bring in somebody outside in that hasn't been around into a manager position or something like that has its benefits too. You know, the army does this, the army takes an officer. You and I were talking about this the other day, the army takes a brand new officer who's been in an academic environment his whole career and he pairs him up with an NCO when he first gets to his unit that's been in for, you know, seven, eight, nine, maybe 10 years. And those two together run a whole platoon. And so that new officer, he maybe has a year or two of experience, but he's paired up with somebody that has the experience. So he's starting from scratch in his own lane, right? He's not right. starting from the private level necessarily, but all the training that he's gotten in his lane has been similar. So you need to, you need to develop people from the bottom. You need to have a system that develops them from the bottom 100%. How do, when you're talking about um, someone coming in like that, in the, in the military, it might be a little different than in like a public company or something like that, but what kind of, what kind of respect do they usually get from the subordinates that they're looking over basically is, is does anything get kind of sterile because some people because some people just get kind of salty about it i know in in let's say the corporate world if someone works at a company for 10 15 years but then another young buck with a college degree comes in and gets the management position in that company over this person you know, the person that works there kind of feels more entitled to it because they actually worked at the company for a long time. And I think that that creates 
a, just a really sterile situation because people just do that basically. So do you think, did, did you see any of that in the military when they bring in someone to kind of look over you that was always more in the academic environment rather than in the military? Yeah. So that, I mean, that happens every single time. What, what, what it's actually good because that guy comes in, the new guy comes in and when he does, and this is, doesn't matter if you're, if you're in charge of a company, if you're moving to a new company, if you're an employee right now, this, what I'm going to tell you guys right now is this is the solution to, to stepping into a new environment. You're going to walk in and everybody's going to automatically assess yes. you and judge you no matter what, right? It doesn't matter if it's with a team or if you're in charge. And so the best thing that you can do right up front in that situation is earn everybody's yes. respect. And you do that by getting to know people. So at, yeah, every single time I stepped in or I saw other people step in, you, everybody would vet that individual. Now the culture of the company comes into play as well, right? It's up to the leader that's in charge of that company to determine how the culture is going to be like what he, what he's going to tolerate. You know, he could easily shut everybody up and, 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 all of them would just end up having some resentment for that individual. Okay. But if he allows it to kind of happen, it, it's, it's a good process because what it does is it vets that person against the team. And if you show up and you're like against the grain with everything that you want to do, and you try to step into this machine that's built, right? This, and you're trying to change stuff and come in and start dictating and telling people what to do, you're going to meet a lot of resistance. And then what's going to happen is that organization is going to fail or, they're going to group up on you and you're going to be gone as that new leader. So if you're stepping into a new situation as a new guy, it's okay to be judged when you go in. You should expect to be judged. You should just earn the respect of everybody as their leader, as their peer. And the way you do that is by getting to know them and doing some hard shit with them. Can you go a step further on that, getting to know them? I think people could really use just a little bit more information on how to actually... <laughs> It's almost like a charisma lesson I'm asking you for here, but just what exactly do you do to get to know them? Is that going up to every single person and interrogating them about their personal life or is that just, yeah, this, go ahead. That's a, good, a great question. So, you know, uh, this, this should be a process that everybody implements, um, whether they're moving into a team or whether they're moving in charge of a team or whether they're building a team. And this is the process that I used to use. I learned this from watching great leaders, you know, Major Steel. Yes, he taught me this. Steel. So when I step into um, an, an organization, I usually spend the first 30 days watching and learning and studying. I have this idea of where I want the organization to go. But my goal is I, I sit down, I pick the most senior guy that's in the organization that everybody respects because you can, you can pick that up pretty quick or you can just find out who it is by asking. <laughs> And then I sit down with that person and I would have every single name of every soldier in the platoon or company. And I would go line by line and talk to that individual about every single person. Okay. That's the first thing I do. So I get an idea of the whole organization. I say, and I get to know little things about them. What's their name? Are they married? Any issues, right? Real brief, but I go through the whole thing like that. And I start at the top. So I pick that number one guy and then I move down a level. And I do the same thing. I say, hey, talk to me about your team, right? Or your squad in this case. And I have them talk me through all the same guys. So now I'm starting to get some repetition on the names. And then I work my way all the way down to the lowest guys. And depending on my position, I'll interact with them or I might do some, some group stuff with them, okay? So yes, the answer is 
the process for this is to get to get to know everybody. I start at the top, ask a lot of questions about who they are. Do they have any issues? What do they like? Find out who they are as a person, work my way all the way down the formation. If I don't have time for the guys in the lower levels, because there's just too many of them, I group them up and I take them on like a run or something like that, right? Do a team building event with them and ask them some individual questions at the end of it. So that helps like shape who they are in my mind. And then I get a really good idea of what drives everybody by the end of that process. And I do that across the whole 30 days. And also to be clear too, that's, I'm sure that's not a one and done type of process. Like you don't just talk to the top guy and you're like, okay, good. I got him. Like check him off the list and then move down and check them off the list too. Like you start with the top guy, you start building a relationship and move down, but you've still got to maintain that one up above. Right. Like that, does that make sense to say you can't just, be like, oh, hey, are you married? Any issues? Okay, good. Move on. Yeah. I mean, people are going to pick up on that. You're, they're going to, like I said, when you're trying to earn the respect of people, you have to be authentic. You have to be authentic. The best way to do it, the best way, and this is what I teach people in my coaching program, is to find out what the, the most important thing is to them. Okay. If I like find out their number one goal and find out what their fears are and find out what their complaints are. If you can do that with that top individual, he feels heard. Okay. Now, now you have to take that information and do something about it. You can't just sit on it because then you lose respect and you do that all the way down with every single employee or any, any, every single subordinate that you have. And then, yeah, you keep tending to those relationships over time. I think that's, there's a little golden nugget that you just said right there too, that I'm going to pull out and emphasize is literally the words, every single employee, every single subordinate, because all too often too, you do see management coming to companies or in whatever situation and they get to know the people that are going to benefit them basically. So like maybe middle management, maybe a co-manager or something, but it never quite makes it all the way down. And something really interesting that I read today is this, or these studies that show in organizations that people would first, that people would rather be acknowledged then ignored completely like, like they'd rather have their leaders acknowledge them even if it's in a bad way or a negative way they're still going to be more engaged with their work than if you just don't acknowledge them at all absolutely so i think anyway it's better to go around even even if it's i don't want to say criticizing people per se but it's like you don't have to be like this happy-go-lucky easter bunny guy coming into a new organization with every single person but acknowledge that you know that they exist. <laughs> yeah, acknowledge that they, you know they exist. Acknowledge their concerns. Make them feel heard because as a leader, you work for them. So if you're just, yes. you know, in the trenches hustling, quote unquote, like everybody likes to say all the time, you're actually not being a leader at all. You know, your your job is to put yourself in positions to influence people. And you can only do that by getting in front of them. And and so it should be a part of every leader's responsibility. Now, this this applies to your family. This applies to your team. This applies to your company. It doesn't matter. You know, you should be present where presence is needed. Okay. And so yes. I used to have this major steel. So guys that are new to this, I, I've built this character called major steel, who is the sum of all the great leaders I've had in my life. Okay. And back in 2005, I had major steel would used to, he was in charge of the entire battalion. Right. And this guy was the busiest man out of all 1200 soldiers. And I was an E five at this time. So what maybe it wasn't 2005, maybe 2007, um, 2008, 
but he used to every day at four o'clock, 1600, he would shut his computer off and he would walk around the headquarters and bump into people. Every day he would do this. He would do it for 20 minutes. And I was an E5 at this time. This guy had like 20 years in the military. I had three at this time. All right. And he would come up to me. He'd bump into me, ask me how I was doing. He would. Are you, are you, are you being literal when you say bump into people? Like, like, yeah, we, we like get up and go. And like, yeah. <laughs> this guy was like six foot four. So when I say bump into you, like he was literally that present. Like he would just, it was kind of funny because he would, um, you know, he was a, so I was an engineer this time. He's big, tall engineer guy. He was very aggressive, very intelligent, uh, very funny. And he would roam the hallways, right? Cause we all had these offices that were across the hallways from each other. And he had this knife that he would flip, flip open, right? You can't do this in a corporate environment, but he had this knife that he would, <laughs> that he would flip open. He yeah. would walk the hallway. And the reason he did this was one, to get to know people, but then two, to make sure that people were going home to their families at the end of the duty day. He didn't want people staying longer than they were supposed to. So he would close his computer at four. He'd walk the line for about 20 minutes and he'd ask people if they were wrapping it up and getting ready to go home before five o'clock hit. And so he would bump into me as an E5. He had no duties or responsibilities to interact with me on a daily basis, but I remember him and I remember his name. I remember everything about this guy because he made me feel important. And he backed me with, with a lot of, he helped me go green to gold. So this guy he was leading by example as you like to hear it, right? So, you know, his routine for guys that are listening, like, how can I be a better leader? How can I be more present? You should have a routine where you interact and do what's called battlefield circulation. You know, you meet people and bump into them, get to know them, ask questions and do that every single day. Get away from your fucking computer because that thing feels like your responsibility, but it's the people that are. And I think, I think there's actually something very cool inside of that too. You were saying, He'd go around asking people if they were wrapping it up before five o'clock hit, which shows that he, I mean, it shows that he cares, but I feel like that's a pretty lackluster way to say it, but it shows that he's, he's kind of on your side, right? And he's not, he's not as concerned with the work. He's framing it to the person saying, are you going to get out of here in time? Rather than saying, is this work going to be done at this time? You know what I mean? Well, dude, you know, work is endless. That is right? true. <laughs> if, if it can't get done by four o'clock, four thirty, then it needs to wait to the next day, yeah. right? Like, there's a point in time where it, don't get me wrong. Like, I believe in doing what it takes to fucking win, <laughs> but and but in most cases, people just fill the time that you give them. So what what you need to do is put pressure on them to get out at the reasonable time. And it does two things. You know, a lot of people say that leaders, leaders say that family's important. All these things are important to them, but what they end up doing is biting off more than they can chew and never showing it. Mm-hmm. So when you say, Hey, family's important to us. And then you kick people out of the office at the time that you say you're going to, or that, you know, you, you uphold them to that standard to get home and spend time with their families. They develop a new respect for you. And guess what happens the next day when they come into work, they're fucking energized. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. All right. I don't have anything else to add to that, but I do have more questions. Let's go. What? Okay. Oh, let's start with this one. This one might be quick, but we might also tangent for hours. What What is it that distinguishes a leader from uh, a, a non-leader? I guess is what I'm saying. Like, what actually determines, hey, I'm a leader now? Like, what what allows you to call yourself a leader? 
what is that determining characteristic? Does it have to do with the situation you're in at any given time? Does it have to do with uh, authority? Does it have to do with how you're treating people? Like, who is a leader and why do we say that they're a leader? I define leader as somebody that creates movement. Somebody okay? that- so somebody that creates movement. So, and I like to use this example in the military, right? So um, like to use every example in the military. <laughs> yeah. All my examples would be military examples. Um, but if I'm on the offense and I'm going to conduct an attack on an enemy objective. Okay. And I have a whole company with me. All right. Typically in this situation, the enemy's in a defense and they have, I don't know, maybe a platoon in the defense, 40 guys. And they're dug in and they have Constantine wire up going all the way around their perimeter. Our mission is to get through that Constantine wire, clear the compounds, and capture, kill the bad guys, right? To attack that objective. Well, during this, this mission, during this clearance, what's going to happen is you're going to set up your isolation. You're going to set up your support by fire. You're going to get some aircrafts overhead. And then at this point, everybody's in contact. And so you're fighting offensive and defensively, right? You're fighting the enemy at this point. And you're trying to get through the the Constantine wire, the barricades or whatever obstacles that I mentioned before that are blocking them off and protecting them. Okay. And so on the offense, you're going to breach that obstacle. You're going to put an explosive charge there, blow it up, and then funnel everybody through. Now the path is going to be really narrow. And what happens when you blow this is that the enemy has spotted you. It doesn't, it doesn't happen instantly, right? They're going to see you moving to the area. They're going to see the explosion. They're going to move and consolidate their forces and then put their weapons on top of you and shoot at you in this canalized area. And so a lot of casualties happen at the breach, right? Tons. And so what ends up happening is it gets chaos down there and movement through the breach will stop. Okay. And guys will go, guys will want to get it open. Want, will want to be pushing, pushing more soldiers through. So this ties into my definition of leader, of leader, right? So what happens is that breach is locked or it's, it's congested and movement has stopped. So a leader doesn't matter if he's a team leader, first sergeant, doesn't matter. He moves himself to that breach, unfucks it, and then gets everybody through so that he creates movement. But, but before he moves anybody else, he moves himself. Okay. So, okay. As a leader, before you're leading anybody, you have to lead yourself, right? Which means getting over your own fears in this case, right? Like he's like, man, I got to go down there. I have to move myself to the gunfire. So the first thing a leader does is they have to move themselves and then they move others. So what separates leaders from not leaders is, is, is that it's not really who's a leader and who's not. It's to what degree of a leader they are. Okay. I like that. So. We'll, we'll kind of spiral that into what can anyone, my, myself even, what can anyone listening to this right now, where and how do you start strengthening those leadership skills? Like what's the best way for the average Joe on the street that's getting up and going to work every day? What's the best way for him to start being a leader if he doesn't necessarily have anyone to lead or I don't want to say doesn't have anyone to lead because he probably does somewhere, but you know what I'm saying? Like just the average person saying like, okay, I want to start becoming a better leader, but maybe they're just another guy in the office at work, or maybe they're, I don't know, a 
just a single dude living at home, like what's the best way to start getting yourself, getting the ball rolling if you haven't already done so? Yeah, this is like people that want to win in the world. Okay. Everybody wants to take over the world these days, right? Like they're like, oh, I want to change the world and all this, this shit. Well, if you want to change the world, you got to start in your community first, you know? So leadership works the same way. Like maybe a guy can forecast and you can say, Hey, in a few years, I'm going to have some people I'm working with and I want to strengthen my leadership. What do I do now? The first thing is to get yourself to operate at a very, very high level, right? Get yourself taken care of, right? Get rid of your insecurities, get rid of your fears, get rid of your indecision. And then the next piece of that is once you master that, it's going to be continuous because this is a lifelong process. You're not going to, it's not sequential, right? You're going to do this in tandem. So you're going to be working on yourself and then you need to, you need to find ways to build yourself as a leader. Now you do that in the house, right? By influencing people to be better and do more, or you go out and volunteer. So volunteering is the easiest way to build leadership. And it's great because everybody that's out there doesn't have an incentive, right? They're not like being paid. Okay. They're out there to help and contribute. Maybe, okay. Maybe you can call that an incentive, but they're not, you don't have any leverage over those people is what I'm saying based off a of position, right? So you're going to show up to this volunteer organization. Everybody's on the same playing field. And now you're like, man, shit, how do I get all these people to do what we need to do? And that takes you to step up, get them all together because everybody's going to be operating independently and then point them in one direction. So if you really want to build your leadership, you can start by volunteering. Yeah. I never thought of that volunteering before. And I feel like that has kind of little side effects that help too. For example, if you're volunteering, people are probably just going to start trusting you more and that, well, or new people that you've never met before are going to see that you're doing something good for them or for an organization or whatever. And it's just going to kind of give you yeah, more credibility. One, it's going to make you feel good. Okay. That's, that's the best thing. So if you're in a funk, yeah. like if you're a guy that's like, you know, I just want to do more, like a lot of people feel like go volunteer yeah. because it's going to make you feel better. And on top of that, it's going to, if you're in a business, it's going to help you with business on top of that. Um, like I said, it's going to build your individual leadership skills. When we talk about leadership skills, we should kind of define them. It's, it's going to define, it's going to help you communicate. It's going to help you influence. It's going to help you with negotiation. Okay. It's going to help you with all these, these categories of leadership, which you need across your life. So, you know, volunteering is a really easy way to do it. Guy, a guy that maybe is stuck in a basement by himself and he's not going anywhere. What do I tell that dude to do? I would tell him to figure out a way to master himself. And also lead yourself. I mean, you have to do that, yeah. right? Basically it's kind of a inspiration is the word that keeps popping in my head here. Uh, when you say creating movement, when you say, anything that has to do with leading. I'm thinking it's, it's basically inspiring people slash influencing people. I think they're almost the same thing in this case. And you know how the, it comes down to the oldest saying in the book, but how the fuck are you going to inspire other people? If you can't yeah. inspire yourself, you know, how are you, how are you going to be a good leader? If you can't get yourself to get off the couch in the basement and to shut off the Xbox and to just go do something actually productive. You need to operate like, at a very, very high level. Get yourself to operate at the highest level. Um, and that, yeah. I mean, it would, it would kind of be like the old, the old example of like having like a fat ass personal trainer, yeah. right? Like who would do that? You know, why would anybody follow you if you yeah, can't take I care of yourself? I have this saying, leadership's about you. And a lot of people don't like that at first because they're like, what do you mean? I thought it was about serving up. 
and it is, it is about serving others. But when you say, when I say it's about you, it's about you becoming the best individual that you can be. It means going further, faster and farther than anybody else, right? It means overcoming your insecurities. And I'm not saying you have to be the leader of the new free world, right? Like metaphorically, I'm not saying that leadership is exponential. (laughs) So, you know, we need leaders at all levels of life. And these guys, like if you had the ability to communicate and influence and negotiate and inspire, how would the world not be better? And just look at the examples of people, (laughs) like real people that exist out there. That's a common thread between a lot of them. You think, you know, Martin Luther King, you think Steve Jobs, you think Bill Gates, you think just everybody that is insanely credible as a leader all possess what you just said you know they were all able to inspire they're all able to create movement you know know, it's funny they all misconception about what they were going is that like a lot of people think that he created the civil rights movement right and he he, like he didn't right yeah it was already happening he was the guy that got in position and was called upon to lead it and the only reason that that happened was because he was becoming a leader before he was called awesome learning new things and again that repeats it i think that almost repeats itself with apple right with steve wozniak and steve jobs which i keep talking to people about and they're like who the fuck is steve wozniak and i'm like exactly (laughs) that's my point so cool i think that's about all i've got i don't know if you have any other tangents you want to go on another thing i don't know if you want to do this or not but i wrote it down you want to start putting your social media in the podcast for people to follow you and- yeah that's fine we, yeah we can definitely do that so i'm at jeremiah solvin j-e-r-a-m-i-a-h-s-o-l-v-e-n jeremiah solvin um and that's the best you guys want to connect with me on instagram you know send me be the leader up front message and then send me your your question yeah. or whatever and i'll answer to it I, I that's how i go through my messages i give a little call to actions and when people respond with the appropriate header i go right to that message and i talk to them Nice. Yeah. That's a good idea. I'd say I should start doing that, but I don't get messages anyway, so I just <laughs> well, answer that, all that, of them. That, that is go ahead, go ahead. Which by the way, by the way, um I'm I'm a part of this project too, so if you want to find me on almost anywhere at this point, it's at underscore Justin RP. For some reason I change my handle on Instagram like every two months, but I'm gonna try to stop doing that. But right now it's at underscore Justin RP. Or Justin RP or some variation. All right, guys, so we covered a lot. Um, You know, what are some key takeaways that you got, Justin, for the audience so they can recap? What are some key takeaways that I've got? Okay, I didn't know I was supposed to be doing that, so here we go. Uh, The four stages of learning, I thought that was pretty cool. It's the one thing that I I thought was cool enough to actually write down. So uh, we've got that, and I think that's something that is probably going to come up again in the future. So people should hold on to that um i think we hit a lot of good topics some things were new to me some things weren't but i mean let me let me go back through here you know why should people be listening to this podcast i guess the short answer is is because leadership is important it's because um you know it's all about it's about learning about yourself i think that's a big thing that people need to take away from this too is kind of um i've always Jeremiah and I have been talking recently about a book that I'm currently reading and he's read in the past called Leaders Eat Last. And I've actually for quite a while 
disagreed with that statement in general. I'm not saying I disagree with the book. I'm not far enough into the book yet to make any statements on that. But I've always kind of challenged people by saying the king eats first. And that's what I'm talking about when I say that is that you've got to take care of yourself before you're ready to take care of other people like that just makes sense. Like I was saying before, you know, you wouldn't go to a personal trainer that weighs 600 pounds and, you know, you catch him at Burger King every morning before he heads over to the gym. It's you don't want to take it from that guy because that guy can't do that. So you have to you have to get yourself to be what you want to inspire other people to be. Yeah, lead, lead yourself and then you can lead others. Yeah. So there's that. Um, I mean, you gave us a bunch of little tidbits in there of actual, you're a practical guy that likes practical tools as I have ringing in my ears at night when I go to bed now. Um, and you dropped those in there today talking about, I really liked how to kind of like literally how to go and get yourself in a leader not how to get yourself into the leadership position, but after you do that, go through an organization and make sure you're building some yeah, sort of how to assess, with everybody. How to assess, like that you how to assess a culture the top, and, then, the and then connect with everybody in it. Strategy. Yeah, and there was one more, that, and then uh, so, you know, how to build your yeah. leadership when you want to get started. Like, you know, focus on yourself first, but then start volunteering places. So that, no, that was yeah. good. Good wrap up. Um, we'll try to do that every time and give these guys practical tools that we summarize at the end. That way, um, you know, they're inspired to stay through, through till the end and listen to everything. Um, guys, we're going to go ahead and close up. Um, great lesson today on why leadership is important and why every it's about, you know, why everything rises and falls on leadership. Okay. Um, and I want to kind of close off with the quote, like we mentioned at the beginning of this episode, the way to take the victory is to be able to take three master son said that. And the idea here is that we need to over prepare, right. To win. Okay. And we need to do that as leaders. So, you know, I mentioned the different stages of, of learning. We all need to eat some humble pie in terms of leadership and how good we think we are and, and figure out creative ways to improve our leadership. Okay. And realize that we're not consciously competent, that we're actually more likely unconsciously incompetent. Right. So guys, that's it for today. Um, hope you enjoyed the show and until next time, be the leader. I need some motivation. motivation. Every day I try a little harder, but my dedication. dedication. Keep my head way, way above the water. Trying myself and I yell at the wall. Begging to run, but I needed to crawl. I see the finish line up ahead. Trying to get traction from all of this tread. I am a king. I am a queen. I am more than the people can see. I am strong when I'm needing to be. Vulnerability's nothing to me. You can try, but I'm unshakable. My successes is never debatable. I'm coming and I'm so interchangeable. Here's to you and all that you are capable. You gotta go.